If you're an author or plan to be one, get excited because this podcast is for you. Book Marketing Mentors is the only podcast dedicated to helping you successfully market and sell your book. If you're ready for empowering conversations with successful marketing mavens, then grab a coffee or tea and listen in to your host, international best-selling author, Susan Friedman. Welcome to Book Marketing Mentors, the weekly podcast where you learn proven strategies, tools, ideas, and tips from the masters. Every week, I introduce you to a marketing master who will share their expertise to help you market and sell more books. Today, my special guest is known as the Book Shepherd. Dr. Juliet Bryles is an advocate for authors and a strategic book marketing expert. As the author of 37 books, that have collectively sold in excess of a million copies. She excels in creating strategies for authors to connect with their audiences, to promote their expertise and sell books. Judith, what an absolute pleasure it is to welcome you back to the show and thank you for being this week's guest expert and mentor. Well, it's my pleasure to be back once again, Susan. We're ready. Well, I had to look up when you were last on the show, and it was the 26th episode, which was over four years ago, and we are now up to over 200 episodes. It's like, wow, I couldn't believe how long it had been. Judith, we both work with hundreds of authors, and if there's one aversion or fear that so many of them have, it's about marketing their book. Let's dig deeper into why do you think that is? Why do you think that authors block the whole idea of book marketing? Well, one side of that is that they would just rather be writing, Susan. Leave me alone. I want to be writing. And that's what my art is. What they fail to realize is that writing is only 10% of the book. It's really marketing. And that's where you have this ridge, sometimes a a chasm that develops that they fall into and they don't know how to get out of. I know just recently that I've got a couple of authors who have wonder children's authors who have wonderful, wonderful books, and they're doing nothing because they think because of the pandemic, they can't do nothing, which is absolutely nonsense. There is so much that they can do reaching out to book clubs, to mom's groups, to in-home, to libraries online, to even bookstores and saying, I would love to do a book reading for your patrons, your clients, your audience. I'm available, whether it's Zoom or Skype or whatever methodology you want to use. If the kids love it, they're going to go to mom saying, I want that book. And they don't do it. It makes me cuckoo, actually, when I see some of that, because there is so much you can do online, offline, in person to promote their books. But it's sometimes maybe just the old fear factor. What if nobody likes me or what if someone objects to that kind of thing? And my response is get over that. If you think everyone's going to love you, you are in Lulu land. They won't. I was just thinking about one of the interviews that I had with a gentleman who talked about the statistics of book sales. And in fact, now during this uh, period, and people are reading more than ever before. 
interestingly enough, especially in the nonfiction area with regard to like careers, and you mentioned children's books, children's books, I mean, kids are at home now. They want to be read to, Mm -hmm. they want to Mm -hmm. read. I mean, what an opportunity for people to really get into people's homes and the whole idea of reading, the book reading. I love it. My daughter wants me to just get on Zoom just to do reading uh, with my grandkids. Yeah, why not? I I think that's a great idea. And the other side of that is that I'm going to do a whole box set. I mean, I'm going to put it together in this next week, actually, Susan, of all my publishing books, because this is a great time to write, too, for people who have an idea that's just bursting to get out or any of our listeners here who have a a product or a business or an expertise, which they all do, have one of those things, and that they want to use it as what we call a leap generator. Well, why not put together a small book? Small is the new short and small is the new black. Not these big hunking six by nine. We're talking about an intimate five by seven book that they can just tuck into someplace. All those nuggets that they're carrying around with them. Let's get that out and but make it look really good so it's slick and it will lure in your potential audience and put that together. And I, I know what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be taking, I've written five related publishing books so far. I'm working on the next one, which is guess what, Susan, on marketing. I'm going to take the five of them. And even though they're different sizes, three of them are five by seven, one of them seven by 10, and one of them is four by six, like all my book of quotes for snappy, sassy, salty. I'm going to take them, but I'm going to mock up and look at like like it's a box set for the visual display to push out and offer them at a super duper price to get going and celebrate the summer. Those are things that you can do, and that's not difficult. I don't need a PhD to put that together. (laughs) And it's doable. It's all doable. And I like the fact that you said small is the new big because it absolutely is. And I remember that tips, people love tips. Yes, they do. And I sold more books on tips than anything else. And you can put together, I mean, just take a book that you have now and just pick out all the tips that you have in them. There must be hundreds and just publish those, as you said, in a nice format, that it looks classy Mm -hmm. and that people would want to own it. I love that idea. There's so much you can do with what we call tiny content, where you could take just what you're doing. Let's talk about your listeners who would be blogging, which I'm hoping they are but who are blogging, putting out their ideas and thoughts. Well, why don't you go and look at the last four years of blogs? Let's say you've been blogging for four years. Some of us, like you and me, have been doing it longer. Take those together, get them into categories, write up a new entry to introduce it, repackage the whole thing, and voila, you have a new product. Yeah, I think we overthink this far too much. It's like, oh, I don't know what to write. Well, yeah, let's do a variation on a theme. (laughs) Why not? Exactly. And I love getting new ideas. I love jelly new ideas. And I love sharing them with people. When I come across a new tool that I think is just the cat's meow, oh, my gosh, I blast it out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we can get so excited about the small things. I know. 
Judith, I know that uh, you have certain ideas about the whole Amazon bestseller status. I'd love to hear your ideas because I've got some very controversial ones myself. Oh, there's a lot of controversy about that. And first of all, I'm going to give a kudo to Amazon. If it wasn't for Amazon, all those self-publishers wouldn't have a platform. I'm just going to say that out front. I'm going to support it. Now, some of their practices, some of their changes and policies as they become this gorilla, I don't totally support. I got involved with Amazon early on on their old Advantage platform, which has been so great where I can get any new book out in a day, ready to pre-buy. Other people don't have that option because it's not available to them right now. Hopefully, they'll bring it back. The Amazon bestseller status that, as Susan self-confessed, recovered New York publishing snob. Let me start there. That I believe that only legitimate authors were published through New York, which is utter nonsense. But that was my belief until 2000 when I did the crossover. And when I went over the bridge was when one of my clients who I was speaking for wanted me to contact my publisher to see if I could arrange a discount because they wanted to get a few books. And a few books doesn't mean very many books. The book they were interested, I had just taken back the rights of, and I had bought the remaining inventory, which amounted to 65. Well, a few seems to me to be less than 65. They wanted 1,500. And it propelled me into becoming a publisher. I mean, I understood the mechanics, but I didn't really understand the P&L, the business side of it. And by gosh, I learned it. And I have never look back. So that brings it into the bestseller status, that there are bestseller snobs out there who think that the only legitimate list is the New York Times bestseller list, or the USA Today, or the Wall Street Journal, or the Business Week, or fell in, that kind of thing. That is also nonsense. For the snobbery side, of course, being on the New York Times bestseller list. But you know what, Susan? I have sold more books between my collective sales, which is exceeds a million copies of books sold and paid for than most New York Times bestseller authors. Once you cross over that idea, you're open to other things. Amazon still sells the majority of books. The consumer, the voyeur who uses Amazon as a search engine when they are going in and they put in the box, What's the best books on dysfunctional relationships, for example? And if you've got that in your categories and your search words, by golly, you just might pop up that they're looking. And if they see anything that says that, number one, you've got a a goodly number of reviews, like more than six, and you immediately want to put in, this is to all of you out there who are listening, who have achieved any recognition, any book awards, which is a whole other topic, book awards, Susan, but who have achieved book awards or they have achieved a bestseller status, and you put that in your headline on top of your you know, number one bestseller or whatever. You know, those voyeur eyes who are searching for the best book that are going to help them with their dysfunctional relationship, that's the lure. You might hook them and get the buy. But I think that, and I have done bestseller campaigns just because I work with my clients on them, and there are strategies to do it successfully. 
but it's just not a one hour pony. I mean, people say they just grab it and the poo-poo comes from, well, but you know, anyone can grab it for an hour. Well, it still takes some work. But I'm talking about, okay, really trying to build a position that you stay out in their eyes for a period of time. For example, I just did a fiction book with an author of mine. And when I say of mine, this is under my the Book Shepherd Services. And that we wrote up all the social media. We created wonderful posters to support it. We pulled lines from the book that were a little catchy and that kind of thing. And we only bought one ad. We didn't do Facebook. We didn't do Google. We didn't even do the Amazon ads. We used the Bargain Booksy format. And bargainbooksy.com is where you can place, you know, you can do an ebook. And we were doing an ebook run to launch her ebook. And we priced it at 99 cents for three days. And we owned number one in every category that she was listed on Amazon for three days, 24 hours during those three days. Number one. Okay, that has some clout to it. That has some influence to it. And that's the kind of thing that I think that you want to do. So what we did is then we went and grabbed Amazon's bestseller little seal and we slapped it on the cover and we uploaded a new cover on the book and now when people are looking at books and her cover comes up it has number one amazon bestseller on it does it help sell books afterwards absolutely if you're going to have a strategy and it's not just for that quick second that it becomes a bestseller Mm -hmm. then i'm absolutely in agreement but as I say, quick second claim to fame. And then you expect this fame and fortune all of a sudden to come pouring in. When that doesn't happen, it's like, huh, what went wrong? But then that reverts back to what we started with was the whole book marketing is like, you've got to be doing something more than just getting it on that bestseller list because that's not going to do diddly squat for you. That's all it is. Okay, that just says your ego is talking here. It's like, I want to get my book in a bookstore. That's the other one. That's the other counterpart, Susan. That, oh, oh yeah, I want Barnes & Noble to carry my book. I want Books A Million to carry my book. I want my local independent to carry your book. Well, that's great. But what they want you to do is hustle butts into their doors to buy the book. And that's where the authors fall down. They don't realize that's part of the contract. Well, and that too with Amazon. And so many of my authors say, well, I'm just going to post it on Amazon and sit Mm -hmm. back and wait for the sales to pour in. And again, when they don't, they're very disappointed because you know as well as I, Amazon's just a shop window and you've got to bring people to the shop window to buy. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's when I, you know I refer people that they've now decided to embrace the as the DNA stupido gene. So that you no, this is work. So to do like what I was talking about, I have a private coaching group I do on Friday mornings, and I went through the twenty-one steps that I went through to set it up. And going back to the Amazon bestseller status, it's not something you decide. Okay, so today's Monday. All right, Tuesday, I'm going to run a bestseller campaign. No, there is a lot of planning. This is marketing. 
no legitimate marketing campaign, no successful marketing campaign happens overnight. It's something that takes setup, it takes planning, it takes strategies that go through. And so you make sure that you have all your little nuggets set up. And it's, for example, we have another one that we're going to be doing over Labor Day weekend for a client. We've already set up all the new categories, which is also another trick to understand, Susan, for marketing on Amazon, that set up the 10 categories. A lot of people don't realize you can have 10 drill-down categories on Amazon. They usually just show two. But if someone, going back to that dysfunctional relationship phrase I use, if someone is looking for dysfunctional relationships and I've got something that will trail down in a long you know, a long tail description that dysfunctional comes up, relationships come up, it may be the bill winner for us and bring it up. And all of a sudden she is going to own that category. But we, for Labor Day, we've already set up all the categories. We've already bought the one ad that we want. We've already notified Amazon in the category to knock down the price, lower her price for those three days. That's all done. All the social media pushouts have already been written. The posters are now being made up that we do. And we'll be ready to go at least a week before the event. And then what the virtual assistant does is just schedule them all and we don't have to think about it. The author actually doesn't have to do anything. But all the back work has been done as you do that rolling out. That's absolutely brilliant. Because you say, I mean, Labor Day, what are we? We're several weeks still from Labor Day. Mm -hmm. But you have to be thinking about this well in advance. And as you said, the strategy, the planning that needs to go into it, what are you going to do? And then even once you've done it, what's the follow-up after that? As we started our conversation, you know, I'm thinking about, I've got five. I mentioned I have five publishing-related books. I'm going to bundle them together. The retail value is $133. I'm going to put that out probably at $70. That's almost a 50% discount. But the key is they've got to go to my website to pick it up. They can't do it through Amazon. And we'll have to pour it together. But, you know, I'm already noodling it, pushing it out. I've got thousands on my email list. I've got massive social media moxie in my DNA. I suspect that we could get at least 100 sales. Well, that work going up, 100 sales, that's $6,500 or $7,000, let's just say. That's worth several hours of my time to put that together. In this age now of virtual everything, (laughs) (laughs) what about the whole idea of pushing your book out virtually. What are your thoughts on that, creating maybe a a virtual campaign? Why not? Of course you should be. Well, social media is already there. It's called the town hall of online marketing. What you have to do, though, is understand what hashtags work for you. If there's anything going on to, for example, I would see, is there any special hashtags for Labor Day? If I was going to do it, I'm going to do this before. So I would do COVID. I would make sure I would have hashtag COVID in it. I would also, for my book, I'm just going to talk about my book right now because people are going to think there's, it would be publishing and authors and books and book marketing and author success. Those kind of hashtags I would be using. Am writing is another popular hashtag. I would be using those 
And it and now I'm gonna bring the possibility of millions, millions, Susan, of eyes seeing what we're doing. Now I'm just not posting one time a day on Twitter. I will be posting eight times a day on Twitter, but I would have such a variable of different types of posts that I create that the Twitter gods won't get upset. I will post maybe three times. I'll I'll have certain boards I'll put on Pinterest and Instagram and all that LinkedIn and that kind of thing. I will fine tune them that would be for those particular platforms. That would be going into play, but it's really about how to publish successfully, how to avoid the most common screw-ups. And I would probably use screw-ups mistakes that newbie authors make. And I would play around with that a little bit and do the push out to bring in as much traffic as you can. And then I would just create a page on our website that people could go to and just click. And it's just going to be all the bundle. It's not going to be the separate ones. It's going to be the whole enchilada on that. Then we'll have shipping included in that and voila. The more simple you do it, the better. But for pushing out, I'll be doing that exclusively online. I'll do it to my mailing list too. For individuals, one of the things that anyone who has a book right now in hand, they should be going to the Google, as I call it, the Google, and put in book clubs for mystery, book clubs for business, book clubs for blah, 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 and see what comes up. And you could reach individuals, have your pitch. I want you to have a written pitch, very short, or you could even add in an audio to it. Do that and offer to do a special program. You'll waive your speaking fee. I don't care if you have one or not. You're going to have one now. Waive your speaking fee. And the only requirement is that everybody in the club has bought the book and you will be available to discuss it to read from it, to whatever you want to do, to do a mini workshop for them if there's an interest. That's one thing that I would be doing very, very quickly. And the other thing is also that you want to do, here's a website, ProBloggerList, ProBloggerList.com, that you can go and find bloggers that are like-minded for your theme, your expertise, and offer to do something in their blogs for them. There used to be, a few years ago, this hot thing that was going around, virtual blog tours. They never were that effective, Susan, for a variety of reasons, because most of us are not online when the live blog is going on. What you do, though, is offer to write a guest blog for them and push that out that way that people do read blogs. As you know, I don't know how you read, but I read at all times at oddball hours when I pick up on something. That's one way to do that. And again, as we talked earlier, for the children books, you could easily roll out a tour with all the the moms of preschoolers, homeschooling, those kind of things. They would probably do tap dances to have you with them. These are amazing ideas. Listeners, I hope that you're writing down furiously. If not, when you get the episode you're going to have to listen to it several times in order to take down everything that Judith's been talking about. You talked about screw-ups, Judith. Let's (laughs) hit screw-ups because our listeners love to learn about mistakes and obviously how to avoid them. Number one, everybody's going to make them. I don't care how sophisticated you are. 
how smart you are, how many times you've been to the publishing circuit. We all make mistakes. Yours truly is included in that. The most common, like kind of like the seven deadly sin type of things, is that you think that you're your own self-editor. Well, that's what they call the draft, but you need to get someone's eyeballs who this is what they do. You need an editor in play, often an editor who has skills in your area of expertise. Like fiction editors, I found, are very different from nonfiction-related editors. I think designers are in play that if you look at how book sales happen, your cover is like the lighthouse and the beacon is going around at the top. Susan, I've got my finger going around in circle as I say that, come to me, come to me <laughs> and bring them in. But it's the back cover copy that hooks. And you better have someone who really writes good back cover marketing related copy. Not just tell, 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 but marketing-related, copywriting-skilled back cover. So in a book, the cover is three to five seconds, maybe seven at the max. That's all you get, but it better be hot. The back cover is anywhere from 20 to 50 seconds where they mull over it. Then what they do is they scan the interior of the book if they physically have a copy of it to look like, to see if, is it appealing they often maybe will read a little bit of that first page or two before that decision is made. That's how books are sold. Designers, I think, are so, so essential in the play. Title is important. What I want to say to our listeners is when you're working on your title, if you have funky words or odd bod words that you wouldn't quite know what this book is about, fiction authors, they have all kinds of different things. So they can get away with murder. Us nonfiction people cannot. You want to have a catchy, short is better for the main title. Your subtitle, understand what your subtitle is. The magnet could be the title, could be zapped, for example, huge, big zap. Okay, so what am I going to get zapped on? Ah, the subtitle is the reveal. Your subtitle on a book cover, your book cover title is the promise of what's in between the covers, what you're going to deliver, what you're going to solve, what the solution is. And if you will get that, you will take a lot of daggers out of you. <laughs> I'm just going to say that. It will just mean a huge amount of difference. Another big sin, a big mistake is you don't market, which we have been kissing on and what Susan, your show is all about. You've got to market, 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 the question always comes, so you know, when is this bloody marketing going to have to stop? When you want to stop selling books, okay? That simple. We have that. You're absolutely right. It's just like, yeah, when does this marketing stuff stop? Well, oh yeah, God. when you want to stop selling a book, absolutely. It just goes hand in hand. If our listeners wanted to find out more about your services and about you and get on your list? How can they do that? You've got my name, Judith Bryles, B-R-I-L-E-S. So you can, number one, email me, judith at bryles.com. You can go to my main website, which has oodles of information, thebookshepherd.com. Make sure you spell shepherd right, S-H-E-P-H-E-R-D.com. Right now, there is a the ultimate cheat sheet for how to work with a podcaster like you, Susan. 
how to touch base with them, how to get in contact with them, how to pitch yourself, how to present yourself, that kind of thing. That is the what we call an opt-in on your website. It's right on the homepage. And it is a lure. Okay, this is marketing again. It's a lure. And you have to put in your name and your email, and then you and I become pen pals. You will download it and get all the goodies from that. And that's a freebie. The bookshepherd.com, or just email me directly, or you can even call me. And if I am not working with a client directly, I actually will answer my phone. 303-885-2207. I am on Mountain Time. Usually after, oh, 5.30 my time, I just say, that's it. Because I'm one of these people who has been working since 3.30 or 4 in the morning. And it's funny because I remember going to a seminar once uh, where the uh, facilitator handed out, you know, shared his phone number and people were absolutely horrified that they mm. would do that. And mm. he said, you'll be surprised how people were like, oh, yes, I must call this person, but actually never have the guts to do it. If you get one or two phone calls, that'll be great. <laughs> I have actually on my website, my phone number all over the place. One last tip if I could give you two is please look at my contact page because it literally says on the contact, if you are an impatient person, here's my phone number, call me. If you want to snail mail me, here is my address, mail me. If you want to just email me, here it is. If you just want to contact, you know, via Facebook, here's how to do that. I think one of the big mistakes that people make in marketing is they decide to become invisible. It's not an option. Stay out there. It's interesting that you should say that. And I love all these different options that people have got. If you're impatient, yeah, you can get hold of me instantly. So that's fabulous. Okay, Judith, I know you've shared so much information, but I'm just going to squeeze one little nugget more out of you. If you were to leave our listeners with a golden nugget, what would that be? Failure is not fatal. You will make these mistakes. We kissed on a couple of them. It's part of the journey. It actually will make you stronger. It will make you better. It will make you more powerful in the process. So don't be afraid to stick your neck. And if you try to be perfect, the only thing in my opinion that is perfect is a snowflake and everyone is different. If you try to go to the perfection route, you will set yourself up to fall down. And being one of those people who went that route for a while, mm. I absolutely concur with that. So Judith, you have been amazing listeners. You've been treated to a treasure trove of gems. Please use them well. Go and check Judith's information out. Also, look at her process because that in and of itself is a marketing lesson. Thank you. And thank you all for taking time out of your precious day to listen to this interview. And I sincerely hope that it sparked some ideas you can use to sell more books. Here's wishing you much book marketing success. 
The time is now to take action and finally build your book-selling empire. And the great news is that Susan is here to help you. Visit bookmarketingmentors.com and sign up for a free 15-minute book marketing strategy session with Susan. She'll help you discover your first steps to marketing and selling your book. Only those who take action are rewarded, so visit bookmarketingmentors.com and we'll see you again next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.